Debo Samuel is loose. Touchdown! San Francisco, the Debo dash. What a play call. Quick perimeter screen out to the left. Quick snap. Debo's waving bye-bye to this Philadelphia What an absolute beast. If it was a clear playoff picture you wanted to get out of week 13 of the NFL season, there still seems to be plenty of smudge on the lens. In the AFC, there's an unusually large group of wildcard contenders, and the most impressive might suddenly be the Texans and their rookie quarterback. In the NFC, the Eagles' grip on the conference was severely weakened as a bad home loss put the top seed in the conference within reach for the Niners, Lions, and maybe even the division within reach for the Cowboys. So Andrew Hawkins reminds us that the margins in this league are razor thin and explains what he saw on the field on Sunday. I'm Israel Gutierrez. It's Monday, December 4th. This is ESPN Daily. Andrew Hawkins, we're here to talk about week 13 across the NFL but there was one game that sort of stood out in terms of being the bigger game. And I don't know which was more telling. The fact that the 49ers showed up dressed in all black for the Eagles' funeral or that there was an incident on the field that involved a security guard for the Philadelphia Eagles and that had absolutely nothing to do with football, of course. Uh, but both of those indicated this was a pretty big game. Huge game. Um Favorite part was definitely the security guard getting involved in the on-field play because that is ridiculous. I've never fought a security guard. I have thought about it at a couple of clubs. An NFL football <laughs> game, absolutely a first. Well, there wasn't that much actual drama on the field because 49ers won pretty decisively, 42-19. to 19. But there was actually some drama on the field. The beginning of the game started with the 49ers looking sort of inept and the Eagles' defense looking pretty strong. What switched after that to allow the 49ers to absolutely dominate? I think one team was operating on emotion and the other wasn't. And hmm. whenever you're doing that, there is, is a very strong momentum at the beginning of the game. And, you, and we would tell teammates and players going in, like, hey, you have to withstand that emotional strike. Right, that's going to happen early on, and then when it wears off, then you're going to get down to, to to who is the real good football team, and I think that's what you saw with the 49ers and the Eagles. So, when you saw the 49ers finally turn that switch on, mm -hmm. what did you actually see about them? What made them potentially the favorite right now in the NFC? I mean, they're just obviously there's a ton of firepower just from a player perspective, but even the way that their game plans come together. And that's what Kyle Shanahan is extremely good at and what he's, he's great at identifying within his own coaches and the advantage, advantages on offense. I mean, when you look at the 49ers offensively, like we know that they have really good players. They have a great receiver in Brandon Ayuk. Yep. Obviously, Brock Purdy is playing at an extremely high level. But then beyond that, they kind of play positionless football where Debo Samuels can act as a receiver, a running back, a tight end. Uh, George Kittle can act as a receiver, a tight end, or a running back. Um, Christian McCaffrey can act as a receiver, a running back, or, you know, anything that Kyle Shanahan can scheme up. And what that does is it makes it very, very hard for defenses to prepare for. And, and if they're not on the same page and the way they're looking at the 49ers offense and how they're using those players, that confusion in and of itself put hold, puts holes in the defense. Yeah, it felt like we knew coming in what the Niners' weapons were, but we also thought that the Eagles' defense could stand up to it, especially at home. 
did this performance from the Niners sort of show any weaknesses in the Eagles that we hadn't seen before? I mean, for me, no. I, I would say they've been pretty good in rush defense throughout the season. But even last, you know, the game they played against the Buffalo Bills where it was like in very critical drives, that that running defense kind of let them down a little bit. The secondary has always kind of been their Achilles heel this year. It's been their like hmm. big flaw. And when you look at the 49ers, they kind of merge those two things. So a lot of things that go on the stat sheet as passing yards are actually runs. They're like extended run plays, right? And so again, it just it just really stretched that portion of the Eagles defense and made them vulnerable in a, in a bunch of ways they just couldn't figure out. How about on the other side? Because if you look at that Philadelphia rushing attack, there wasn't anything to speak of. It was Jalen Hurts, seven carries for 20 yards. It was DeAndre Swift, six carries for 13 yards. And after that, Jalen didn't really have a whole lot of answers in the passing game. Mm -hmm. It looked like maybe he was trying to escape the pocket sometimes too quickly. What did we see from this Eagles offense? Is this something that we should be concerned about? Um, yeah, I think it's a concern only because it's gone on the entire season. Like when you're watching their games offensively, you can't really feel the strategy. It just feels random. It feels like, mm -hmm. hey, I, I want to get to these play calls because I think they're good plays versus um, letting what you're seeing from the de defense dictate where you take that game plan. I mean, Jalen had time. There were times yeah. where he was sitting back there in the pocket, sometimes too long. And I don't know if it's not, if it's Jalen not finding the receivers or it's the actual um, route concepts that they're pushing down the field that they're not getting open, but there's an issue. And I mean, I, my gut tells me it's more the game plan than anything. Uh, because like you said, I mean, Swift didn't get the ball nearly enough. And they never really established an identity in this game. And that has been the same case all season, which is why they've had to rely on these very heroic moments late in games to even pull these W's out. But that same sort of narrative all season, because it ends in wins, has been the Eagles, quote, find ways to win. So now that they've been sort of taken to the woodshed by a team in the NFC that looks like a favorite, how do you assess the Eagles overall? I mean, I still think they're a really good football team. And I kind of looked at it the opposite. I mean, yes, we know that they are winning games in spite of those flaws mm -hmm. um, and not because of those things. But at the same time, when you have a team as talented as them and as resilient as they've been, to be able to be winning games while you're figuring it out is a position of luxury. The question becomes, okay, now you have a very small stretch of the season left. Are you going to be able to find the answer to that test before playoff time comes? Because it is a, it is a, it is a risky way to be living late in the season. Hawk, I went into this game thinking Jalen Hurts was my favorite for MVP. A lot of people have Dak Prescott on that top tier. This game also had Christian McCaffrey, who's been discussed in that conversation. And our guy, Lewis Riddick, mentioned Brock Purdy, mm -hmm. that the numbers say he deserves to be in that conversation. How did Sunday impact your MVP thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with, with Lewis Riddick. I think mm -hmm. uh, Brock Purdy has been playing lights out. And if he finishes down the stretch like he has been in his really good moments, there is a real case to be made that he's the most valuable player in the NFL. Now, that being said, the reason why Dak kind of has the edge is because, number one, he's on the Cowboys. But number two, he's also had a really good stretch since the last time they saw San Francisco. And they have a back end of the season. That's a gauntlet by any stretch of the imagination. They have the Lions, they have the Bills, they have the Dolphins and the Eagles. And if he continues to put up the numbers he's been putting up, that's where it's going to be really tough for Brock Purdy. 
Well, let me sneak one more name in here for you. What do you think of the chances Tyreek Hill, who had another two-touchdown game, 150-plus yards, still on pace for 2,000 yards on the season, right now has 1,481 and 12 touchdowns. Any chance he is an actual MVP contender? I think if it's all said and done, if you're asking me like, hey, in, in you know the next five to six weeks, who is the most valuable player? Who would get your vote? I feel strongest about Tyreek Hill, hmm. right? Because the chances of Dak Prescott putting up those numbers against those kind of opponents is slim. Not because of him. It's just a really tough schedule. Brock Purdy, he has been incredible. But we remember that three-game stretch when Debo Samuel was out, what those numbers look like. And for whatever reason, that's probably going to be etched into a lot of people's brains. Um, offensive football is down this year. Yeah, That's why there is no clear-cut winner and leader of the MVP race at this point in the season. But if you look in totality, like who has been the most consistent player in the National Football League and you that you cannot tell this season's story without, it is Tyreek Hill. And if he continues on that tear, which none of us have any reason to believe that will not be the case, he will break records. He will put up numbers that we've never seen from a wide receiver. And again, you cannot tell this season's story without Tyreek Hill. Hawk, I can't get over this quote from Wes Welker on the Dolphins coaching staff when he got asked to compare Tyreek Hill to Randy Moss. And he said, no disrespect to Randy Moss, but Tyreek can run the whole route tree. And that, to me, is mind-blowing. Yeah, and it's so true. And it, it, it's, it actually comes across like a dig, but it's, it's not. Because right. Randy Moss, we all know where Randy Moss sits in the history of wide receivers. But what people need to understand is, like, the game of football has changed so much. And slot receivers, players who play off the ball across the middle of the field, like, there's a certain profile in today's day and age that is extremely, A, valuable and necessary for a high-powered offense. It's very rare that you have a guy who can play on the outside that can give you everything you need from an outside receiver, give you everything you need from an inside receiver, and have all those skills, especially not even taking into account what Tyreek Hill's size is. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's the best deep ball threat player in the game. He is the most explosive player in the game. He has the best ball skills, probably of any wide receiver in the game, which is crazy because he has the smallest catch radius. And then also, to Russ Welker's point, he can run all the choice routes, all the stop-and-go routes. He can run short routes and take it the distance, run after catch, or he can take the bombs, right? And there's just very few players in the history of the game that can say that they have all of those things. If you see that you that's, that Tyreek Hill scored a 75-yard touchdown in a game mm -hmm. and you had four people in front of you and you told them to imagine that touchdown, all of them would have a completely different play in their head. And that's why... It's crazy because when I tell you Randy Moss scored a 75-yard touchdown, yeah, you think the same thing. all think the same exact play. That's crazy. And he's so much fun to watch. Okay, after the <laughs> break, we got a rematch of Super Bowl One on Sunday Night Football. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you people wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first one or for your fashionista mom who likes to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate with them both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to, say, 100 bucks and below. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything 
or even pre-wrapped gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So, what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th, and it'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Okay, Hawk, we got a matchup of the first Super Bowl ever when the Chiefs uh, visited the Packers on Sunday night football. It was surprising to me that it was Patrick Mahomes' first trip to Lambeau Field. Um, I do want to start with the end of this game because back-to-back sort of horrible officiating calls. And I feel like we're kind of numb to this right now. I think both teams probably have a case for which side got jobbed by the officials more down the stretch there. But what did you see in those official calls down the stretch? Yeah, they they, they were bad. Um, and, you know, the good part is that they somewhat equaled out yeah. in, 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 the, in the stretch. So you can't be too mad. But at the same time, they did affect the outcome of the game. And these were very clear calls. Um, the, pat, the the non-call for the defensive pass interference on MVS was probably the most egregious in my, in my view because it's so clear as day. And obviously that sets the Chiefs up um, in an incredible situation to kind of, you know, give themselves a, a chance at a comeback. Yeah, and it's it's one of those calls where the official is probably telling himself a couple of things. One, the DB was going for the ball, but you can't go over the receiver to do so. And there was probably a little bit of hesitation given that the Kansas City Chiefs had just gotten 15 free yards on that supposed late hit on Patrick Mahomes. Absolutely, and I, and I, I hate... And, you know, it's human nature, but I hate to let the circumstances dictate how you officiate the game, right? Because there's also a case to be made on how Mary's. I get it that, you know, it's one of those plays you kind of let go. But with all the context of what we're talking about, I do think those things need to be looked at and paid attention to. Specifically, um, when you talk about the Patrick Mahomes hit, that I mean, that that is kind of just indicative of where football is going. Mm. That was one of the worst calls of the day. There was also a very similar call in the Houston and uh, Broncos game against Russell Wilson. These are two hits that were legal. He was up. He wasn't sliding yet. The tackle started before he went down, and there was a penalty, and the same with Patrick Mahomes. This is a guy fighting to get a first down. Like He's within inches of the first down marker still in bounds, and he gets hit by the defense, and it turns into a new set of downs and a penalty. Those are things that change the fabric of the football game. And again, I wish I knew what the fix was, but in this Hmm. new day and age of football— it just seems like this is the new norm. Yeah, and Patrick Mahomes is also still fighting for that number one overall seed in the AFC. Took a hit with this loss, but he had another rare turnover late in the game with about five minutes left through an interception. You had another game where his receivers sort of left something to be desired here. Um, what do you think about the Chiefs, their offense, how real it is, and whether they miss Eric Bieniemy, who's in Washington now? I, I've said this multiple times. I think they miss Eric Bieniemy, hmm. um, and you know Eric Bieniemy's criticism from players or people that played with him that I've heard is that oh he's too tough, he's hard on everybody, he yells at everybody. And to me, as I look at this Chiefs offense, I can tell that that is missing. Yeah, there, there's an accountability and a standard that has been created for the Kansas City Chiefs under Eric Bieniemy that just isn't there anymore. And yeah, Hawk, their offensive at, line leads the NFL in penalties. That's yes, probably a yes, bad sign right sloppy. there. 
Absolutely. This is a young receiving core that has had a bad case of the drops throughout the season. Even their wide receiver coach is a young uh, uh, coach in his profession. And so that leadership is definitely missing. When you look at that late game touchdown, it is another clear example of that because, yes, it was an interception. But if you watch the totality of the play, there's a certain look. It looks like double press on the outside. Patrick Mahomes goes to check to Sky Moore and says, hey, give me a stomp route, which is where the outside receiver kind of sets a pick and the inside receiver does an outside release fade. And while he's giving the check, the inside receiver is trying to communicate to the outside, which tips off the DB. He sees while Patrick Mahomes is making the check, he kind of looks at his guy because he knows something fishy, something fishy. And then he mm. overplays it and it turns into an interception for Nixon. But that whole process is something new and that you're going through with young players that are playing more than they ever have. Whereas some of the high powered offenses, those things just kind of click. You don't have those problems right. with Miami because they've been in it a little longer. Yeah, to oversimplify things, I've watched the Chiefs enough to recognize they just don't seem to have it. I feel like they can win any game because of their quarterback, because of that offense. But really, they don't inspire the confidence that they can win three consecutive games against high-level opponents. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's changing the way that Patrick Mahomes is playing in games. Like, he has to, he, he's trying to find his ways to trust um, and just let go. Because if he's not playing as free as we see him, then he's not the best version of himself, which is the best quarterback on planet Earth. On the other side of this game, the Packers, a surprise playoff contender here, and Jordan Love starting to show some signs. Big fan of Jordan Love, have been from the beginning of the season, not because he's been playing lights out from the beginning of the season, but as he's like continued to figure it out, you can see his evolution of him getting more comfortable. And even in those early games where they would win, you know, under, you know, tough circumstances, he got better as the game went on and he got more loose as the game went on. And he was, he turned his fourth quarters into uh, the best football he played in some of those games and those wins when he was coming back. And that's just an, un, like, uh, an intangible that is hard to diagnose at the time, but now as the season has progressed and you see him get more comfortable and you see him you know, create that kind of approach throughout the game, they've turned into a completely different football team. Yeah, he's starting to show a lot of confidence and sort of the opposite of what we talked about with Patrick Mahomes and his lack of confidence in his receivers, starting to create a little group of young, exciting receivers there in Green Bay. Now, we did see Christian Watson go down with an apparent hamstring injury, but Romeo mm -hmm. Dobbs made some plays there. Yep. What do you think of what they look like as a whole? They're, they've, they're coming together strong. It's really, really cool to see. I remember seeing the Week 5 game against the Las Vegas Raiders and... You know, that was a very close game that, that came down to an interception at the end of the game. But throughout that game, uh, Love and Watson specifically missed on like three crucial deep ball opportunities. And when games are that close, you have to hit one of those. These are like yeah. 40, 50 yard gains. Um, and some of it was Love, some of it was Watson and the way he was running his routes. And now I've watched him over the last two weeks, um, both on Thanksgiving Day against the Lions and this big win against the Kansas City Chiefs, and they seem like a completely different duo. These are guys that are now on the same page. Watson is going up for those balls and getting them the way that he wasn't doing so in week five. And when you have that kind of chemistry, which takes time to build, especially for a quarterback really in his first year of starting, down the stretch, to your point, as they make a run for the playoffs, 
they become this, the, the scary proposition to a lot of these other teams. Apparently, all you had to do if you're a Packers fan is just wait for December because Matt LaFleur does not lose in December, still has not lost in December as a head coach. <laughs> but, Hawk, I did want to hit one more game before we go to break. Joe Flacco, he was the fourth QB to start a game for the Cleveland Browns this year. I don't know why, but it gave me a sense of calm watching him out there play for the Browns. They did lose 34 to 19. He did throw a late interception that kind of ruined the feel-good story uh, against the Rams. But I'm curious what you thought about that game and whether he gives the Browns a more realistic chance of making the playoffs and making some noise when they get there. There was a moment in that game uh, at the very beginning, he he takes the Browns right down for a touchdown mm-hmm. as he just methodically throws the ball like an uh, established and uh, very able court NFL quarterback. That my son is like just he's a big Browns fan. Uh-huh. He's in ear to ear and asking for a Flacco jersey for Christmas, not because <laughs> he's the best quarterback that he's ever seen, but after you see the weeks and the the, the output without Deshaun Watson in there, yeah. and even sometimes with Deshaun Watson in there, it makes you appreciate being able to just to have a quarterback that um, can give you a chance to win and not lose games, right? And so, yes, this was a tough game, but it was actually a really good game for a quarterback who's not played in a long time. And I do think that if this defense can tighten back up the way that they have been the majority of the season, mm-hmm. he does give Cleveland a real chance at, at the playoffs and they become a scary team that I'm sure if they do get in, teams are not going to want to see. Well, he is quite familiar with taking a team with a great defense to a Super Bowl win. So we'll see if he can do that with the Cleveland Browns as well. Coming up, the Broncos' win streak ends at the hands of C.J. Stroud and the Texans. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Delicious meat nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is, not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. 
Okay, Hawk, I want to go back to the early window of Sunday games and talk about the Broncos-Texans game from Houston. It ended with Russell Wilson throwing an interception on third down from inside the 10 to give Houston a 22-17 to win. It ends the Broncos' five-game winning streak, and it pushed the Texans to 7-5. and five. Everybody wants to talk about C.J. Stroud, so let's talk about C.J. Stroud. He just keeps getting better. Just how well set up are the Texans for the future with him under center? Oh, man, they're they in an incredible spot because he has that kind of it factor. Hmm. Um, no moment is too big for him. Uh, he, he, he looks at these comeback opportunities or late in games as opportunities. Right. Like, and, and not like, hey, I, I'd rather be up 20 and X, Y, and Z. Or he doesn't get scared by the moment. And when you're in a huddle, um, for especially for other offensive players, we can tell. We can look at a quarterback in those moments and we can tell whether that person believes that they can make the play or that they want to make the play or that they're going to thrive in this opportunity to prove that they are the level of player that, that, that they know they can be. And C.J. Stroud exudes that, man. You could tell by the way his teammates talk about him. Uh, you could tell by the way he approaches the game in each uh, one of those situations. And this is just outside of the obvious real-life football skill that we are seeing on a week-in and week-out basis. You have to have extreme confidence to make some of the throws that he's been making lately. And I just want to focus on a couple from Sunday. There was one early on where he stepped up sort of to the left in the pocket, climbed the pocket, still found Nico Collins deep down the right sideline for a big gain. Third and six, Stroud, jab step, downfield, he hits Nico Collins! Brought down! Another big play for the Texans. And then later in the third quarter, it seemed like a simple play. Coming off a of play action, a defender right in his face, and he finds a way to lob it up and hit Brevin Jordan. Stroud tosses it up there and caught by Jordan. That's just C.J. Stroud having a ridiculous amount of ability. The throws are one thing, but the ability to see them and decide to make them sort of really stand out. How advanced are those throws? They are very advanced, and he is he understands like the tango between offensive de and defensive football in the NFL at a level well beyond his years. Um, you know, I always say he is he is a chef when it comes to the quarterback and not a cook. The hmm. cook is someone who implements already established recipes. Like, you tell me what to do, and I can do it. I can do the how. C.J. Stroud understands the why. And it mm. does not matter what happens on a play or when something breaks down or, 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 or flashes differently than it was drawn up. He understands, well, if you do this, then that means that is open. If this player's here, or if this leverage is this way, or if there's, you know, no one's open on this side, I understand based on this defensive look, here's where the hole should be. And when he's evading rushes on those two throws you're talking about, which is, I think it's a bench concept to Nico Collins' side, and he's evading the rush, he's able to still step up, but he keeps his eyes downfield because he understands and knows that, okay, if they're doing a cover two shell to a bench look, which is kind of a, you know, quasi corner slash out, and that safety gets too nosy, which is what happened, hmm. Nico is right down the sideline by himself. And even on the play action one, which to your point, looked like a routine throw, but as he comes out of it, he can't see his blind side, and there is right. a defender right in his face, and he doesn't get the opportunity to square his shoulders, but he has such an arm talent. He still throws a ball off of his back foot in the blink of an eye 
that allows the receiver not to even lose a step of speed, and it turns into a 13-yard gain. Those are special plays, but those are plays from a quarterback who can understand and process every scenario to know, okay, I'm prepared, and not only that, I have the ability to make any play necessary um, based on the scenario. A chef, not a cook. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, <laughs> he did lose one of his ingredients, though. He lost uh, rookie wide receiver Tank Dell yeah. uh, to a leg injury reportedly for the season. That was one of his favorite targets there. How big of a loss is this for a team fighting to get in the playoffs? I think it's a huge loss because Tank Dell is obviously an incredible talent, especially for a young player. And the big reason why CJ has done so well is because of that supporting cast. But I will say, if CJ is who we think he is, and CJ is who... Um, what we're talking about, we've seen on film. I don't think this stops the Texans' offense. I think it's next man up. Maybe not to Tank Dell's level because what he brings to the table from a deep threat to also, you know, uh, being a threat in intermediate routes and bubble screens. He's just that kind of a dynamic player. But at the same time, like I said, what they'll have to work with, CJ will be the guy in position to make it work. And, and that's evidence of like, Nico Collins is having a career year yeah. with a with a team he's been with for years. And now we are finally seeing his talent because of who's at the quarterback position. Yeah, they've gone from a team with an interesting quarterback to just an interesting team that might make some noise in the playoffs. And I don't want to dash the hopes of the Carolina Panthers fans, but they have been eliminated from the playoffs, Hawk. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so as we move forward with the rest of the teams down the stretch here, what are you looking for the last few weeks of the season as we clear out this playoff picture? Oh, so many things. I want to see if, if Dak can truly keep this going because I mm. think the Cowboys are a really good team, but it all depends. If this is, if, if this is truly a new version of Dak, I'm excited to see what the Cowboys can do down the stretch. And the other thing is I want to see if the Eagles can can maintain that top position in the NFC. It's going to be tough. We saw what the 49ers did to them today, but how they handled this back half of the schedule, uh, it, it means a lot. There's a, a few specific games that I think would determine that. So we'll see if today's game was actually a funeral for the Eagles or whether they can hang on to that top spot. Hawk, <laughs> thanks so much for all your insight. My pleasure. I'm Israel Gutierrez. This has been ESPN Daily. We'll talk to you tomorrow.